I was recently asked why I put so much time and effort into speaking about New Zealand's national security. The same reason you should, I replied. For our children, nieces, nephews and their children. Hi, I'm Simon Ewing-Jarvie. It's our responsibility to live a better, safer, freer country than we inherited. And the only way that's going to happen is if ordinary citizens are involved in the national security conversation. That conversation should start with a comprehensive national security strategy being formulated, not the compartmentalised and under-resourced thinking which has been allowed to take hold, because that is indefensible, New Zealand. Welcome back everyone. I'd like to start today by calling for an end to defence white papers in New Zealand. Why? I think most people believe that the Defence Force is responsible for national security. It's a widely held misunderstanding. Of course the Defence Force is not entirely responsible for that area, so it's time for a national security white paper with wide public consultation rather than the microcosm of that which is the Defence Force. Before I go on, I want to deal with a comment that arose from the previous episode about how much defence we can afford and a, a commentator in the audience online really sick of people talking about the percentage of GDP spent on defence because it was an irrelevant measure and I agree with them. Uh, there's been calls for 2% GDP that was really just the United States giving uh, NATO members a bit of a hurry up about spending a bit more. It doesn't actually tell you very much at all about the capability. In that episode though I'd just like to point out to him and others in case you were confused most of those GDP figures that I was talking about related to national growth not spend on defence or national security for that matter. It's not just GDP growth that's important but the direction in which that is happening as to whether our economy is going in the right direction to a point where we can actually provide for ourselves in the form of better self-reliance. So I hope that clarifies that. Now back to a national security white paper and who would implement it. Well I've said in previous episodes that I believe we need a separate national security agency and a national security advisor and it's not just me advocating for that change um, many academics and other commentators have over the last few years and very recently the Royal Commission into the Christchurch mosque shootings has recommended exactly that a separate national security and intelligence agency as the primary advisor to the government so why no action that report came out in uh, late last year so eight months later well the government you'll be surprised to hear has formed a committee to guide their response to the report in radio procedure terms, Foxtrot, Foxtrot Sierra. Why doesn't the public service, defence pers- and, and police grip this up? Well, I can tell you that f- from four years of doctoral study and many more as a consultant in the area of continuity and behaviour in risky environments, there are three things that organisations routinely prepare for. One is if there's a legal requirement to do so. Uh, take health and safety, for instance. Two, if they've already experienced it. It may be an earthquake. Uh, It may be a fire or it may be a security breach. And the third thing is when there's media coverage of something. But as you probably intuitively know, organisational cultures which drive the behaviour, they're largely reflective of the culture of their chief executives. And so you have to also consider the personality, the ego and the ability of each minister and each department chief executive in trying to understand the lack of progress towards a more self-reliant profile in national security in New Zealand. Now, there's three things I think are causing this. One is inertia. We've always done it this way. Uh, two is scarcity, and that's money and jobs. Closing sections down, uh, removing you know, this director or that senior policy advisor position isn't a popular thing to do. And there's a fight between departments 
every year for money and resources almost as though they were the enemy while Treasury takes the position of trying to spend as little as possible. And thirdly there's the matter that it's just the wrong person in the job. Now all these things contribute to the lack of progress in national security um, resilience in New Zealand. So all that can be summed up in some ways as politicisation. About 18 months ago several national security academics, particularly those who had been quite outspoken about the need for a national security strategy, were invited to Wellington. They were given a briefing and explained that New Zealand did actually have a national security strategy. It was just in several documents. Now a few weeks ago the National Security Strategy team in the Department of Prime Minister and Cabinet assembled a similar group to get advice on how to develop a national security strategy. Kind of ironic, but clearly the Royal, the Royal Commission's findings have finally hit home and we can hope to see some progress there in the future. Why am I concerned about politicisation? It's because I've worked in Parliament and you know I don't think most people understand just how much internal party political influence is exerted on policy writers. And so it's fine to say that we've got the best, best minds in the country sitting in DPMC in the National Security Group writing a strategy or writing a plan. But who in New Zealand, outside of a very small circle, can tell you the name of the Chief of Staff of the Labour Prime Minister at the moment? Or the one before that? But these people are enormously powerful and nothing really happens in those departments without their blessing and it stops if they're not happy with the direction it's going. So let's stop pretending DPMC is immune to political influence. It's not. And that's why I've been advocating for the National Security Agency to be an independent crown entity and for the National Security Advisor to be an officer of parliament to try and, it won't completely remove, but it will water down the political impact of individual parties and individual politicians. There's been significant politicisation evident in defence since the 2010 White Paper. The shopping list of platforms, for instance, that were expiring, life expiring, and the capabilities that were seen as essential for New Zealand Defence Force now and into the 2025-2030 period were well documented in that 2009-2010 period. Now there was an update went through 2015 and it was um, published in 2016 and that also listed a 20 billion dollar injection for the Defence Force over 15 years. Ron Mark, the incoming New Zealand First Defence Minister, called for another assessment when he uh, got his feet on the ground in early 2018 and surprise surprise he found out the the P3 Orions and the C-130 Hercules were still very old and still needed to be replaced. This resulted in a strategic defence policy statement and subsequently the defence capability plan 2019. Now the defence minister Penny Henaudi has signalled cuts to that $20 billion plan and using the quite inappropriate term in, in my view wants to put Labour's fingerprint on the portfolio. Now this is just messing around with work that's already been done over and over and over again and they're using the COVID excuse saying well we can't really afford this and that. This government is throwing money in every direction. It can afford to borrow for anything it wants in its view. It just doesn't want to borrow or do anything else in regard to defence that it doesn't absolutely have to. So it's you know less putting a fingerprint on the portfolio and more flipping the bird to 10 years of work that's been done. And I just ask those people, do you would you be happy putting your children onto Defence Force platforms where they did join up and be in uniform, send them into a threat environment where you knew those platforms weren't able to defend themselves adequately? So this politicisation has to stop. And an agency, a national security agency, will go some way to doing that. What is so hard at the end of the day about developing a national security strategy? 
I mean, New Zealand actually has helped other countries in the region do, develop their, theirs. Well, as I said before, number one, inertia. Number two, scarcity, resources and money and all trying to hold on to the little pile that they've got in their silo. And three, personality. We may just have the wrong person in some of those in some of those departments. It's relatively easy to establish a national security agency. There is some legislative change, but all you need to do is extract some money out of the current silo funding and put it into one place. And unfortunately, that's what some chief executives can see will happen and are manoeuvring to stop that happening. Now, I don't have any first-hand evidence for that. I just have the my experience in working in Parliament and seeing how, how officials work when you suggest that, do we really need this department? So point one is we need to um, take some funding from silos and it's not going to be offered up, build the National Security Agency. Secondly, that agency needs to work within a clear vision of what New Zealand should should be looking like. So we've got data that projects what our demography, our population will look like out to 2050. And for goodness sake, we've even got a predator-free strategy out to 2050. So, so um, you know, someone's got their mind out that far. I haven't seen much in the way of political vision. Uh, this government and when it came in in 2017 had a little brochure our plan it was 2018 when they actually published it and it only mentioned two elements that could be related to national security and that was about the pacific reset and disarmament there are organizations in new zealand though that are doing good work in this space the mcginnis institute callahan are working in that space uh, there are some other private think tanks and uh, some academics. If you wanted to look at a strategy, albeit it's only out 10 years, the Ministry of Foreign Affairs and Trade's um, strategic framework isn't bad. But look, we've got a Chief Science Officer, a Chief Digital Officer, we've got the PM Special Representative on Cyber and Digital, we've got a Government Chief Data Steward, a Government Chief Information Security Officer. How scary is it to have a Chief National Security Advisor or Officer? It's really just a will really just having the will to do it. I did a search on the Beehive website to see how many times strategy turns up in our speeches and other documents that were released by ministers. This parliament, since 2020, you put in strategy, you get 134 results. There's disarmament, MFAT, as I mentioned, predator-free, trade recovery strategy, a renewable energy strategy, which does go out to 2050, uh, for net zero carbon emissions, minerals and petroleum resource strategy, national disaster resilience strategy, AI investment, maritime security, cyber security, security and goes on and on on infrastructure treasury and so on people love having strategic in their job title let's just take it one step up and get that grand strategy the total vision that that all all these agencies are busily working away actually in a vacuum so let's stop the mucking around we don't know how long we have whether that is to respond to another domestic emergency some variation of a pandemic an event in the region or an event worldwide which has an impact on our on our well-being here. Let's stop messing around and get a sense of urgency. And for those that would say, oh, it's all too hard, well, everything is impossible until someone does it for the first time. Let's get ready, New Zealand. That's it for this episode of Indefensible New Zealand. Thanks for joining the National Security Conversation. If you found this podcast episode useful, please subscribe and share it with your friends. For more information on New Zealand's national security or to send in questions for the series, please go to my website, unclass.com. Mm-hmm.